Hello and welcome to Aunt Mary from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now for our story. Kit Mead felt weary and depressed. She'd had quite a shock today, just before she left the cocktail lounge in the Brown Palace Hotel. The charming, rather moody young man she'd met there several days before had come in again. Had told Kit he'd decided to follow the advice she'd given him during their first casual conversation. When she'd suggested that it was foolish to marry someone who didn't love you. In the hope that he or she might later change. After he'd left, the bartender had mentioned his name. It was Nicholas Dorn. In a flash, Kit had realized he'd been talking about Peggy Douglas. It was Peggy he decided it would be unwise to marry. Peggy, who Kit had been so anxious to see, safely married to the young writer. Kit felt stunned as she went across to her father's office. And the conversation had only increased her feeling of dread and insecurity. So it was a very miserable young woman, in a nervous, irritable mood, who walked up the stairs of her father's house on 11th Street to be confronted by Jessie Calvert, her father's new wife. Well, here you are, Kit. Yes, Jessie, I'm here. What about it? Oh, nothing particular. Just that the nurse, Miss What's-Her-Name, was looking for you a little while ago. I didn't know you'd gone out. Forgive me, Jessie, for daring to leave the house without your permission. Well, heavens, you're in a charming mood. Well, there's nothing in the world quite so irritating as to walk into your own home and have someone confront you as if you've committed a crime by leaving. Oh, my goodness, Kit, don't be childish. I'm not being. Well, all right, all right. Why don't you go upstairs and lie down, Kit? You look like... Never mind what I look like. What did Miss Thorndyke want? Anything wrong with the baby? Well, she didn't say. Perhaps some little thing she wasn't sure about. Well, I hope to heaven she is one of these people who's never sure. Never wants to take the responsibility for things. That's what I want her for. Oh, I don't think she is. Seems very competent, and she seems very pleasant, too. We had a little chat. She's from California. That's exciting news. Oh, by the way, speaking of California, you have a letter. I have it right here. What is my letter doing in your pocket? I was taking it up to your room. I was sure you'd want to see it right away, since it was from Paul Cromwell. Paul Cromwell? Well, I think so. You seem to have given my letter a great deal of attention. It's odd that you say it's from Paul, since his name isn't on the envelope. No, but I happen to have a wonderful memory for handwriting. I recognized Paul's right away. He seems to have become quite a traveler. What makes you say that? Well, his letters postmarked New Mexico. Before that, he was in California. Who told you Paul was in California? Why, I don't know. 
I suppose you must have mentioned it. That's impossible. I couldn't have said such a thing because so far as I know, Paul's been in New York for months. Really? Well, isn't it strange? I was under the impression he'd been living in Los Angeles or Hollywood or someplace around there. Yes. Very strange. Well, don't mind me, Kit. Go right ahead and read it. I'm sure you're dying to. Look, Jesse, what are you trying to build up? Well, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not building anything up. Oh, yes, you are. All these insinuations about Paul. Oh, nonsense. You're just in a vile humor and looking for an excuse to take it out on somebody. Well, I don't see what you're getting so excited about. Frankly, you seem to act like a person with a guilty conscience. You would say something like that. It's the way your mind works. You expect everyone else to be as sly and devious and, and as dishonest as you are yourself. Well, kid, I don't pretend to be a plaster saint, but one thing I'm sure of, I have at least a decent disposition. If I were you, I'd take a sedative and go to sleep for an hour or so. You might wake up in a better mood. Now, what made her say that about Paul's having been in California? How could she know? I'm positive I didn't let anything slip. But then, where would she get the idea? She knew Paul was in New York before. If Jessie knows that Paul was in California while I was, if she stumbled on that, I'm really in a fix. She wouldn't stop at anything if she had me in a spot like that. Well, wonder what Paul wants. I ask him not to write unless he... Kit, dear... As you requested in your first letter some time ago, I haven't written you before. It's a lucky thing I did tell him that, the way Jesse's mind works. Please forgive me if this letter is somewhat on the dull side. Frankly, I'm not in a very sprightly mood of late. Since you went away, the days have been interminable. I've thought of you constantly, my darling. <laughs> oh, Lord. Paul can be the most sentimental... If you ever doubted the constancy of my devotion, these last weeks would prove forever how important you are to me. I've been at my wit's end to keep Lisa from going to pieces. <laughs> oh, I can just see Lisa. Those big, sad eyes of hers staring mournfully. <laughs> Poor Paul. I don't envy him. You've no idea how trying it's been. Only the thought of our future has pulled me through. Our future. <laughs> I do hope we can get this whole matter straightened up soon. As you see from the postmark, Lisa and I are finally on our way east. We stopped off here in Santa Fe for a short while. Lisa's been somewhat under the weather, and I thought the change would do us both good. We'll go on to, sh to Chicago from here. And, of course, I'll get in touch with you the minute we arrive. Oh, Lord, Chicago so soon. We're taking a trip up to Taos tomorrow. This Indian country is wonderful. I hope you and I can come here together one day. Meanwhile, my darling, much love from your Paul. Kit reread the letter quickly, then crumpled it and threw it into the fireplace. Since her return to Wakefield, Kit had deliberately pushed into the back of her mind all thoughts of Paul Cromwell and Lisa. But now, Paul's letter had forced her to remember. She saw Lisa's face. Heard again Lisa's tearful voice as she said. I know it doesn't do any good to retrace things, but ever since you had the accident, lost your child, I've been so miserable, guilty. I felt I was responsible. 
Well, of course, Lisa, if we hadn't had that argument, it never would have happened. I know. I know. And then Kit remembered another conversation they'd had. In the car, the day Lisa had been taken to the hospital. I'm glad you're coming along, Kit. I, I wanted to talk to you. Naturally, I'd come, Lisa. Kit, do you... Do you really want my child? Yes, Lisa. If I had a child, it would solve the problem of my marriage. You see, Kit, I want my baby so much. I've longed for it. Dreamt of how it would look. But this way, to be alone, I... I don't think it would be fair to the child. I think you're very wise, Lisa. It wouldn't be fair to the child. But, Kit, do you want the child? Would you love it? Of course, Lisa. Of course I would. I know how you feel about the baby you lost, Kit. And if mine takes its place, if... If you really love it. To have to choose between your child and, and the person you love. To know that if you keep your baby, you'll lose that person. To know that if you keep the child, you... You can't give it the sort of life it deserves. But from a logical viewpoint, Lisa, the conclusion is obvious. Perhaps it should be. But it's such a strange feeling. I, I'm i afraid I can't talk about it anymore now. No, don't. Not now. But I'm sure we understand each other, Lisa. You will be good to my baby. You'll be good to him, won't you? And now in a few days, Lisa and Paul will be in Chicago. If Lisa finds out that there's trouble about the baby, that it won't have the sort of life I promised, the security of a father's love and a mother's, if she hears about the custody suit, if Bill's lawyer stumbles upon the truth that the child isn't mine, oh, it can't happen. Dad will have to think of a way to keep it from going to court somehow. He's got to. For the first time, Kit was learning how it felt to be helpless. Knew the terror of feeling hunted. She remembered all the tricks she'd used. The methods by which she'd practically forced Lisa Fenner to relinquish her child. Now it was all coming home to Kit because she was in danger. Not only of losing the marriage for which she'd been struggling, but of being exposed by her treachery. <laughs> 